You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network once again as we cover an episode of Third Watch, exclusive coverage here of Third Watch as we move into the 15th episode of the fifth season. This one is called No More Forever, a pretty memorable episode that we've all been looking forward to getting to. Uh, this one first aired on the 20th of February 2004, written by John Redley, Ridley, sorry, directed by John E. Gallagher, the Johns are in control this week, it seems, and uh, yeah, plenty to talk about when it comes to this one. My name is Ben, and Darvell Stewart, I know you're in the kitchen making me breakfast. <laughs> My name's Darvell, and I'm not going on the street today. Okay, cool. Well, you sit here and talk with me then, apparently. Um, okay, I will do just that. This one's a, <laughs> a pretty, pretty decent and memorable one, Darvell. Uh, you mentioned to me last week and to all our listeners that, uh, this one pretty much might be your most, uh, memorable, your favorite episode of Third Watch, uh, that there is. Yes, indeed. And it, and it's, it's still the case, you know, even now that we've gotten to it, it is still, I can say, with 100% certainty, not that I couldn't before, that yes, this is probably one of my number one, probably one of my favorite episodes of Third Watch, if not my number one favorite. Because, I mean, you really, we've been saying, and you, you've been saying this since the beginning of the show, and I've been saying this since I came on in season two, that, you know, this is, this is where everything comes to a head with one particular character. And if you've been following the podcast listeners, no doubt you know which character we're talking about because we've given you lots and lots of clues. Well, yeah, I think we can now mention that character is Doc. Um, I think if people are listening to yep. this, they uh, clearly know what's about to happen. But, um, yeah, it's it has been that very much slow downward spiral of Doc that, you know, we've tried to allude to uh, since the get-go of this show. And... Um, I think particularly with a lot of stuff that's happened this season, kind of, this slow build with him. So, yeah, it's definitely an episode which uh, I feel like in in order for people to fully prepare for what happens this episode, it's important to kind of focus on Doc because, you know, I, I, I kind of did a lot of that as well because I've mentioned plenty of times before that when I first saw this episode, I... I didn't necessarily like it. I kind of was like, what the hell are they doing with Doc? Like, this makes no sense. And, um, you know, I had a friend of mine uh, back in my live journal days in the Third Watch groups who sort of, you know, kind of explained it to me quite well, sort of saying like, well, hey, if you pay attention, this is sort of Doc, you know, it makes a lot of sense with kind of everything that's happened to Doc. So kind of I know from subsequent rewatches, I would always pay attention to it and, it, you know, it makes perfect sense. So um, it's just, it's, I think the word is, con- I don't know if it's confronting, it's shocking, because, I mean, I would like to know of any other TV show out there, and Darvell, you can potentially help me out here, um, where they've taken such a major and beloved character and just kind of done such a 180 with them and made them essentially a criminal like this. Because, you know, if you if you essentially got the first ever episode of Third Watch and then this episode of Third Watch, you know, technically our 103rd episode of Third Watch, and kind of watch them back to back. I mean, in no way would you ever believe, after seeing uh, Welcome to Camelot, that Doc is going to be here holding a gun, shooting someone, basically, you know, about to be locked up for a very long time, if you know what I mean. Right, and to answer your question, no, I don't know of any other TV show that's done that. 
I really don't. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a show that's really done that with one of their main characters. Um, and I'm struggling off the top of my head to kind of think. I mean, you know, like the obvious ones you could probably turn around and say, like, oh, something like 24, you know, when somebody was evil. But I mean, that's kind of a bit different, like, when it comes down to it, because, you know, after the first season of 24, kind of every season had some sort of mole or, you know, you're always expecting someone to be evil at some point in 24. So, um, it's- yeah, one of the reasons it kind of, Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Okay, I, I was just going to say one of the reasons that show kind of really went down after about its fifth season. Yeah, I mean, it's... There's just a way you can do things like that. I mean, phew, trying to think, is there something on Lost? But even then, it's kind of... It's a difficult one to kind of work out with Lost because I think, yeah, you have characters have different arcs and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, no one really... You can explain it a lot more, I think, on Lost, if you're on an island and you're going crazy, whereas, like, this is kind of... I don't know, like, I think you might have mentioned it about how if this was based on anyone, like, in terms of did the writers kind of know his stories of any sort of paramedic or sort of emergency service worker who this had happened to, where basically they were they were drawn to a point where they snapped. Um, and it's done in a way which... It's sadly, saying this, like, it's not that unbelievable that this could happen in real life, if you know what I mean. Right. And, you know, since I, since I mentioned that, I actually remember, you remember the episode, the In Their Own Words episode, there was one paramedic who said, one former first responder who said that she actually left the emergency services after 9-11 for her own health and sanity. I remembered that after we got through talking about that yesterday, and I say yesterday because, you know, we record, we previewed this episode in our last recording session, um, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if they drew inspiration from, from that, although, of course, we're pretty sure that paramedic didn't, that actual paramedic didn't do what Doc has done here, mm. what Doc does here, but it's not far off to think that maybe they, maybe they drew inspiration from that, from the woman who said, you know, I, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do. I couldn't go back after that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure there's inspiration here. Like again, kind of creative licensing. Let's <laughs> have you know someone pull a gun on someone. You know, it's. I mean, look, I'm sure it's happened in some capacity somewhere. And I'm, you know, I'm. This is in again no disrespect to to you as an American and America in general. But I mean, you know, this is kind of no. something that as an Australian and somebody not in America, we expect to hear about that somebody goes into a business in America and goes crazy with a gun. Like, that's kind of well, the sad fact of life, what we have with your country. Yeah. You know, it's kind of... Well, sadly, you are not far off. Yeah, so, look, what I, I think we're trying to say here is that this episode pulls a... Whether you like it or not, and I think for the most part, this episode generally has a positive reaction. I don't think I've really ever seen... A lot of people talk negatively about this episode um, because, yeah, I think any true fan of this show, and I'm not trying to say that as a negative, like if you are a true fan of the show and you dislike this, I've I've been pulled up on that in the past by me saying that, that that's probably wrong, but this is just how I'm a trying to voice times. this opinion, <laughs> is that, you know, long-term fans of this show who have watched this from the beginning, I guess, can understand why this has come to this point. And maybe I was a bit dumb for not sort of picking up on it at any point. But anyway, my point is, this is definitely an episode that shocks you um, if you're not expecting it. But uh, I think kind of right. we've tried to 
pull up to this point where, you know, Doc's going to go a bit cuckoo lala, as I've said a few times this season, and to a point where he's going to pull a gun and shoot someone. But uh, I think one thing I'm going to do differently this episode is because we, we talked, I think, about this last week, is the fact that, th- you know, this episode to me should all be about Doc. It should all be about what is happening in the firehouse. And yet we've kind of got this extra storyline lumped into it with Bosco and Ali. Uh, which, look, I'm going to just talk about that completely separately. I'm going to talk about that now and get it over and done with because I, yeah. I feel we can just cover that because it's, look, it, it has its moments. Um, I think it's, it's very tense and it's well acted, but it doesn't belong in this episode at all. This, if you're going to do this, do this in another episode because yeah, there, there's no reason for this to be in this episode except for the fact of, Hey, remember there are cops in this show, and because essentially we've turned this into a cop show, um, you know we need to have this focus still, which which is annoying. But uh, anyway, um, so essentially uh, we have Yokus is back. Um, so, well, she's just there for the day. Uh, she comes in and basically um, is asking about. Um, sorry if I'm, if I'm sounding a bit stalled here, I have to catch up on my notes here, people, by the way. Uh, so Yokus comes in, everyone is sort of like, yeah, you're back. Uh, we have a bit of a Yokus and, uh, Cruz sort of tension as they stare at each other. Bosco said to Sasha that she, he needs to go and visit his mum today because there's a bit of a personal errand. And I'm also going to kind of lump the Sasha stuff in with the doc stuff. So I don't think people out there that I'm ignoring the Sasha stuff, which is going on here. Um, I do kind of like how Sully gives Yokus a bit of a kiss on the cheek and saying, like, we missed you. Uh, Bosco lies to Yokus and said that he talked to Swirsky and that they're not going to be able to work back together again. Bosco's like, oh, it's good to see you again. So, uh, Bosco is about to leave with Munro. Munro's being kept back with Cruz. We'll get to that shortly as to why. Uh, Bosco is out driving. He's about to go see his mum. Um, cause Cruz has basically said, go out on a personal errand. And we find out that Alinardo has kidnapped Rose. Uh, asking him to go meet him somewhere so that uh, he can talk about it. Bosco shows up to a building. Some girl is like, uh, oh, actually, no, I've, I've jumped over a bit there. Bosco is essentially yelling at Lou, saying, like, I need lost time. If you don't like it, fire me. Um, Yokus is at the desk and is essentially like, oh, not much has changed. And Swirsky's been asking <laughs> Yokus about a hundred times if she's okay. I do like that. Um, yeah. It's funny. Uh, so... Bosco, um, oh, Yokus, uh, asks Swirsky about going back with Doc, uh, with, uh, Bosco, and, um, uh, Swirsky says that Bosco didn't say anything, so, shock horror, Bosco has lied and didn't actually, um, ask for them to be put back together. Uh, let's see here. So, Bosco then shows up at this place. Uh, a girl comes out the front and is like, are you Boscarelli? Um, and goes out the back. Nardo pulls a gun to his head and tells Bosco to drive. Uh, keeps telling him to drive, turning left at the light. And then they show up at this, uh, I guess it's a hideout of the Spinoli family or whatever they are. And, uh, Nardo's basically just going off at these people like, this is a cop, you know, tell him I'm not a rat, tell him I'm not a rat. And then... All these people are just staring at him because they're like, you brought a cop here? Oh, we know nothing, officer. We know nothing. Uh, and Alinardo essentially, you know, going off that he's not a rat. Uh, I'm really rushing through this because, again, this is kind of all it is. Like, I'm, I'm not letting you speak yeah. just at the moment because legitimately 
There's really well. I really don't have anything to say about this. That's how pointless I think it was to put this storyline <laughs> in this episode. I'm just letting you go through it so we can get to the meat and potatoes of it. The meat and potatoes of it. I love it. <laughs> um, they leave. Nardo has a conversation with Carl Bosco, basically saying it's not even legal what you do. Kind of letting people do this, getting away with it. Bosco is essentially saying, "Give it. Yes, guy has seen the uh, Godfather too many times. And if uh, the situation was reversed, would you believe uh, Cannoli or Spinoli, whatever the guy's name is?" Um, Carmine. Come on, I do kind of like the, the, I will say like, again, as much as this is not needed in this episode and it's just pointless, again, if you put this in another episode, I think like it's just, Nicholas Turturro is so good in this situation, like he's a really good actor and like he's really he selling this desperation of Alinado so well and kind of, you know, the fact that he's really revealing that he's made this mistake and he's kind of screwed up here by bringing a cop along the way and kind of thinking like, you know, oh shit, Rolls in reverse, you know, I wouldn't believe this anyway. Uh, so, uh, Alinato takes Bosco to his mum. Um, they hug, and I, I do kind of like, uh, oh, Bosco saying to him he could do witness protection. Uh, Bosco and, uh, Ali are having a fight. Uh, they tell Rose to run away. Typical Rose again, how she's like yelling at Alinato, like, don't you hurt him! Don't you hurt him! Uh, I do love that. And yeah. they sort of have another fight. Alinato saying how, you know, my father was a lieutenant for the family and, you know, it's always about my dad. And Bosco saying, this is about you and my life is over. That's what Ali's saying. And essentially at the end, Alinato says, can you at least do one favor for me? Tell them I didn't take the deal. I went out like a man. Says thank you. Shoots himself. Uh, he's dead. And then Bosco sort of runs away and he's kind of like, ma, ma, it's okay. It's okay, ma. So, I mean, I've, I've really spun through that really quickly, uh, because again, like, we, we can say this a thousand and one times. It's not that this is bad. Like, I think out of all the Alinato stuff, this is the most interesting, to be completely honest with you. Um, yeah. it's just in the wrong episode. Like, it just shouldn't be in this episode, should it? Yeah. Open the, open the family ties episode with this or something. Yeah, I think you even, you close this out with the, like, the last episode with this. Like, you don't, like, what do we have in the last episode with, with Alinato? Kind of just a bit of setup here and there. Like, yeah, like, I don't even know if this fits in family ties because they kind of start a whole new storyline with that. But have this in the episode before. Just, if you're gonna do this, don't do it in this episode. Um, you know, so, yeah, like, we just don't need it. This, I mean, yeah, it's great to have Yoko's back. And this is the thing too that I think gets lost in all of this. Like, we got excited last week that Yokus was back, and it's great to see Yokus back on the job. But, like, I, I, cause I do, I do actually like the scene when they're kind of in the locker room, which I've just missed, and they're sort of, uh, Yokus is going off of Bosco, and he's basically like, I'm here, I'm back, and I want to be back in 5-5 David. You know, and she's like, I'm going to be with you tomorrow. So I kind of like that scene, which again, even I've forgotten to talk about, because it kind of gets lost in everything. So, yeah, I don't know really anything more to add, but yeah. I mean, I like that. I like that scene as well. I mean, because that's the let's be real. That's the that's the faith we know. Yeah, that's the faith we know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, that is that storyline. We've we've gelled over that really quickly because, again, I think that the real as uh, to use a Darvell quote, the meat and potatoes of this episode uh, is not this storyline. It's it's kind of there. So uh, we're gonna go back to the beginning. We're gonna go back back to the future. Um, we have, uh, Munro waking up 
in bed, she's naked, and she's kind of realising that she's alone in bed, and she's, you know, like, oh, Monty Parker, I know you're in the kitchen making me breakfast, I know you didn't sneak out. Um, we get uh, Doc sort of cutting between uh, him cleaning his house and back through to uh, Sasha walking around. Uh, I will say one scene that I didn't sort of lump into the Bosco stuff, there's a scene of Yokus getting dressed ready to go back to work, and... Fred coming home and saying that I did go see a doctor and he said he'll sign anything that we put in front of him saying that you don't have to work and uh, Fred uh, Yokus doesn't want anything to do with it so Fred's like I'm going to go back to work Yokus says I love you Fred doesn't say it back so huh, a bit of trouble in paradise which we're going to get to in the coming weeks mm-hmm. which not exactly a fan of but anyway we'll get to that um, and then we kind of get this cool little uh sequence the way they've edited this where essentially we've got a long sequence of Sasha looking for her off-duty gun mixed with Doc cleaning his house so uh you know Sasha looking everywhere she's basically turning a place apart she's trashing a house at the same time as the Doc is cleaning his house and you know you kind of don't know what Sasha's looking for until right in the final bit where you see that she looks at like an empty gun holster and through all of the Doc stuff like you're kind of wondering, like, what's this got to do with anything? Because Doc's, like, polishing his pictures and putting his pictures in a box. And you even see a picture there which looks like a Morales, and he's kind of, like, cleaning it. Then he's, like, he gets his Paramedic of the Year award and wipes that down. And then the scene when we see Sasha looking at an empty gun holster, they cut back to Doc's apartment, do this pan across to him. He's standing there in his blues, uh, and he then looks in the mirror. And as he's standing there looking all smart, prim and proper... He holds a gun up to his chest, and then you realise, uh-oh, Duck has got a gun. So... That is not good. No, and just the music too, kind of like the the tense music, but, like, it's I just love the yeah. way this is all edited together. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Defin- I was having a sip of coffee there. I was works. hoping you were going to say something there, Darvell, as I sip my coffee. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> works. Um, I'll say this, though, or, or maybe I'm saying this, this too soon... But I think they, I think they cut to the opening credits too early. I always thought that a that a good spot to cut to the opening credits would have been after Doc arrives at the at the at the house and uh, does what he does and shoots it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, but isn't that a good 10, 15 minutes into the episode by that point? Like, aren't we, like, a long way into the episode by then? Yeah, that's fair. Or, oh, wait, no, this wouldn't have worked. I was going to say, or have the episode begin with that. But then I thought, no, that wouldn't work, because then we'd lose all the setup we're getting. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if I can quickly skim here to see... Because I feel like Doc doing his shooting is a long way into the episode. It is, if I'm quickly skimming through here... Yeah, it's 14 minutes into the episode. So, like, I definitely don't disagree with you. I think that that would be a great way of, of doing it. But like, you're way too deep into the episode, I think, by then. I still I still think, like... I, I Again, I agree with you. I think that would be a great way to do the credits. But I still think it's got a, an effect, kind of, having this shot with Doc with the gun in the mirror. Because, again, you're like... You're watching this for the first time, and you're, like, going, like, what? No, Doc, why does he have a gun? Like, what's he going to do here? Like, you know, it's kind of a bit of a shock in itself. And and I remember vaguely the promos for this episode and kind of them sort of mentioning about it. And kind of, like, I went into this episode going, like, oh, my God, like, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Do you remember the promos? yeah, I've actually watched the I've actually watched the promo. That's another promo for 
that's another episode promo that's up on YouTube. Give us give um, us a rundown. I'm, okay. In the finest season of Third Watch, the episode that's as good as it gets. In one moment, their hero, their friend, will do the unimaginable. It does sound familiar. Yeah, I was going to say, is that how they promote? Well, you, I don't know if you remember or not, but is that kind of how they? Well, is that how the Australian voiceover guy promoted it? Ours would have been much more like, you know, oh, in one moment, one guy does something more unimaginable. He's like, you know, he's like sounding really bogan or something like that. But like, no, it's. I do rem- like. I remember there being sort of something around that where at least it was kind of like, "Fuck, I've got to watch this episode." Like, it did its job. Like, the promotion did it really well. Not that I wouldn't have watched it anyway. But like, I mean, we'll talk yeah. about next week. That I, I I do remember the promos for the uh, the Family Ties episodes. But um, yeah, like that that does definitely sound familiar. Now that you kind of um, that you do that, but uh, I definitely wouldn't say in the finest season of Third Watch. <laughs> um, but I think they're definitely... Yeah, well. <laughs> they're, look, in, but in all seriousness, as we keep discussing, like, season five is surprising us to the point, or at least surprising me, that I think it's not as <coughs> bad as I was thinking. Like, I've never thought season five was bad. I think that's unfair. I think it's it's a lot more solid and consistent than I remember. That's what I'm going for. Um, gotcha. Even though, again, and I could be wrong, I'm saying this now, but in a few weeks I could have completely had my mind changed. I definitely know there are some episodes at the end which I'm not necessarily a fan of when it comes to really feeling like a season six part. But again, I, you know, I'm jumping the gun here. I could be mentally thinking of different things. I don't know. Anyway, so we've got the credits. Um, last time we'll have Michael Beach in the credits, ladies and gentlemen. Just a little mm. note there for people at home. Uh, and one thing that I, I think we'll do, depending on how we go for time in this episode, is because I realised we didn't do this the other week with uh, Jimmy, is that, you know, after Bobby and after uh, Taylor left, we sort of, you know, spoke about them for a couple of moments, kind of eulogised them. And I know they the characters died, but I guess kind of we still... We generally do that in our other, episode, our other podcasts, is kind of if a major character leaves, we kind of have a couple of minutes to talk about them. So we'll do that with Doc, and we'll try and fit in Jimmy as well this episode, because I realise that we didn't end up doing that with Jimmy a couple of weeks ago, so I apologise for that. Typical in Third Watch fashion that somebody forgets about Jimmy. So um, we're just <laughs> keeping the trend up. Um, so... Back in the, just quickly back to the cop, uh, in the, the locker room, sort of in all this conversation with Bosco and, uh, you know, wanting to go out and check his mum. Um, Davis talking to Sasha about, oh, your new boyfriend last night. Um, and sort of they all find out about Sasha and, and Doc. And, uh, you know, Cruz is like, you go girl. Uh, Davis is sort of, you know, joking about his age, saying he's old. Sully saying, look, he's not that old. Um, because I guess they're kind of the, the same age in many ways. Um, yeah. Back in the firehouse, we've got uh, Holly grabbing a couple of apples for Kim. Um, Kim is worried about Doc, that he's never been this late before, uh, that Steve is going to come in and go off at them. He She puts Carlos and Holly together. I do like that uh, little moment when um, Holly's like, I'm going to grab you some pears, and Carlos is like, no fruit. And she's just kind of like, and he thinks riding with him's a picnic. Um, and sort of Kim keeps ringing Doc, and we sort of cut to a vibrating phone on a table, which isn't being answered. Um, Munro asks for, uh, asks the cruise 
uh, for some advice. Uh, I do kind of like that just like little moment that Cruz says, like, nobody told me she was coming back today, like about uh, Yokus. Um, yeah. And she tells Cruz that she's lost her off-duty gun uh, and that, you know, Doc might have it. That's what Cruz kind of says. And then, uh, you know, Cruz is like, ring Doc. And then basically she doesn't want to call Doc. And then Cruz is like, oh, you can never tell with these people. I always thought uh, he was a good guy. And Cruz says that she's going to go and question Doc over at the firehouse and tells Bosco that she wants Munro for the day. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, I guess we're getting the setup here. Uh, Kim in the firehouse, Steeper and the crew come back and, uh, Steeper sort of questioning Kim, you know, is something wrong? She says that Doc's out on a doctor's appointment and, uh, they'll go out as soon as he gets in. And this then leads us to, uh, <coughs> Steeper, you know, still questioning Kim, essentially like, you know, he's not here, call a replacement, we're gonna write, write him up. Um, Kim yells at Steeper, you know, will you let me do my job? Like, with all due respect, will you let me do my job? And I do like the way Steeper's kind of like, will you call that respect? Uh, and Kim's like, you know, you control my career. This is like the part where Steeper's like really an asshole here. Like, they've really turned up the wick of his assholeness in this episode, have they not? Yes. Um, yeah, they really have. Yeah, and uh, I should also mention, uh, I did jell over the scene there where Cruz walks in to sort of find out where Doc is. And, uh, Steeper is sort of like, you know, who are you, PD, you know, sign in the watch house downstairs. Uh, you know, I would not have people walk in here and, you know, without being granted permission. And Kim, I guess, is kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll call you when he gets in. Now, one slight plot hole here, which I don't know if it's a plot hole, but as she walks upstairs and then Steeper is kind of like, did you not see the, the watchman or whoever the person is, uh, to sign into? Uh, Cruz is kind of like, oh, yeah, but he was like, he had his back to me or he was turned away or something like that. Now, if there's a guy downstairs manning this house as kind of like the the reception, shouldn't this person hear the gunshots when Doc starts, you know, shooting? And shouldn't he call this in? Why is it Holly that discovers this? I don't know. Like, I've never really kind of picked up on that before, but surely that's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, unless... Oh, wait, no, never mind. I was going to say, unless he's lost in his own world or something. But then I thought, well, no, because something that loud, that's going to bring you out of whatever reverie you're in. Yeah, exactly. Like, gunshots. Like, you know, you're going to hear it. You're like, holy fuck, what was that? You're really going to stick your head upstairs and be like, what's going on? Um, So there is that. And so back to kind of when Kim is being yelled at by Steeper. Doc rocks up. Um, Kim sort of looks at him straight away and is kind of like, you know, oh, thank God you're here, like... Why are you in your, uh, why are you in your blues? And then he just kind of looks at Kim and goes, Oh, hey, Kimmy, I'm not going on the street today. And he just walks straight up to Steeper, shoots him, uh, falls down, and then turns to Kim and is basically like, As I said, I'm not going on the street today. And they kind of have this tense music, this zoom up on Doc. And yeah, shocking moment. Like, you're not expecting this. And clearly, you know, I'm going to say this is a top five moment for this season. Uh, I think you've got, Two clear ones in this episode. There's even a third, which you could argue, but I think we're not going to be able to put it in just because, you know, we're definitely going to have two in this episode, I feel. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, do you remember the first time you saw this to kind of like, like, holy fuck, like, Jesus Christ, what happened? Yeah. Here? Yeah, actually. Actually, I remember I was watching it, and when that actually happened, I think I jumped. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I jumped. I was like, whoa! 
what just happened there? Yeah. And it's still, like, it's still, like, no matter how many times you see this, I still think it, it holds up and you still have that shocked moment, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it lessens, it lessens every time you watch it, but, I mean, because you know it's happening, but still, I think it's always going to have that little bit of shock factor to it, like, did he just do that? Yeah. Did he just do that? And, like, as we've said, like, I mean, he's finally lost it now. Clearly, he's just shot a man. So, um, and we kind of come back sort of from the ad break, essentially, and we find out that he's doing this because he wants to show him what 15 minutes feels like because that's how long it's going to take uh, emergency services to get to people when he closes down the house. And sort of through all this situation, you've got, like, Billy and DK sort of all held back and kind of they're all trying to you know, they're, they're hesitating whether or not they should do something or not. And again, like, DK and, you know, Walsh, essentially for two people who aren't actors, like, who are real firefighters, <coughs> great acting here by these two. Um, yeah. One, like, I'll, I'll talk about kind of the, the thing with Sasha in just a second, but one kind of thing which, again, I don't want to nitpick on such a great episode, but one thing that I've always think doesn't make sense is initially, like, if you kind of lump all the doc scenes for the first four or five doc scenes together when you've kind of got this time limit when he's saying like 15 minutes and kind of by the time Carlos shows up we've got like eight minutes left or something like that so it's meant to be like seven minutes have passed um it's kind of another thing which kind of the Bosco storyline takes away from is that there is no way that Bosco has gone through the firehouse left gone to you know find uh Ali got in the car and driven as far as he has in New York City in seven minutes like, there's no way. So, like, it's kind of... I think this is an... I, maybe it's just not meant to be taken at the point that this is happening at exactly the same time frame. Um, but, again, this takes away from the episode. Like, do something different. Like, why don't they take out all the Bosco storyline and kind of do, like, a 24-style episode? Do an episode in real time. Um, you know, because that's going to make it tense, You read my mind. It? Yeah, like, that's going to make it extra tense when they do that with this episode. <clears throat> Yeah, that that really would that really would have worked, you know, from the time he, and we don't see it in this particular, in this particular uh, recording of the episode that we have because it comes back with it cut out. But um, there are some other copies of this episode floating around out there where you actually see Doc starting the stopwatch. And, oh, really? You know, I don't from, think I've ever seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you where they are, but I know I've seen them somewhere. But uh, but yeah, you you see him start the stopwatch, and then you you just count down from there. You know, flash back and forth between scenes of Doc and all them in the firehouse, and where else could you flash to? The, the, well, just the a response from police the station across like, the street. Yeah, like because I mean, by the time across Holly street? and Carlos show up, like and kind of you can have a counter on it. Like, don't necessarily have a counter on screen to make it cheesy, but like kind of advertise it like this is in real time. Like, there have been. Uh, movies which kind of over a two hour period are set in real time without having to show a clock on it every five seconds, if you know what I mean. So, right. Um, yeah, it just, it just, it's just not realistic that what Bosco is doing is over the same time frame, if that's what they're trying to imply. So, um, and like we did mention last week, I think the plot hole in kind <clears throat> of Doc's story, uh, you know, with having the party and everything to organize this, like, Essentially, the way he's gone to get a gun is that he's planned to sleep with Sasha to steal her gun. And as we went over last week, 
you know, Sasha wasn't going to go to this party until, like, the last minute. So, kind of, Doc had to have a lot of things fall his way for this to happen. So, you've got to wonder, like, if Sasha didn't show up, or Sasha was like, hey, no, I'm not going to sleep with you, what's Doc's plan B? Um, does he sleep with Cruz? I thought about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> not likely. Um, but even then, if he did sleep with Cruz, like, I don't think Cruz is going to let a gun, because, like, Cruz would bloody keep a gun on during sex, I can imagine. Um, but... Yeah, so she can shoot the guy's balls off if he isn't satisfying her. <laughs> but, like, it's kind of like what we're going to get that line from Holly very soon, when, like, you know, how did he get a gun? Oh, what guns are hard to come by all of a sudden? Like, I guess they don't want to show Doc buying a gun. So, um, you know, it's just, it's... I guess I'm complaining for complaining's sake, but, like, you know, I think we kind of need to point out the fact that Doc gets very lucky with his plan here that, uh, you know, he's able to get the gun and everything along those lines. So that's, I think, where I'm going with that. Uh, so sort of through all these these tense moments <coughs> where Doc's sort of holding them hostage, I guess, uh, you know, Billy and DK each try to uh, kind of get in there and Doc fires a couple other rounds at them and he's, you know, kind of like, I don't want to hurt you, I don't want to hurt you. And, of course, I'm going to say Michael Beach is just absolutely outstanding in this episode um, with his acting when it comes to sort of just this craziness about him. Just, he does look differently and it kind of, it reminds me, like, you get next episode when Kim sort of in therapy says, like, you know, he had this look in his eye and... I think even as a viewer, you can see that he's kind of got a look in his eye that this isn't Doc. Like, this is a different person to what we know. Um, and sort of Doc saying to Steeper about, you know, him closing down another house. Um, that's what you did over there. You started transferring people. You kicked the medics out. And then three days later, you close it down. Um, Steeper keeps saying, like, I'm not closing it down. I'm not closing it down. Kim trying to give him fluid. Uh, Doc saying, like, would you be able to give him fluid if, you know, it took 13 minutes for us to get there? Um, and he keeps sort of saying, like, this is for us, this is for us, and Kim, you know, sort of says, like, hey, like, don't say that, this is not for us, like, please don't say that. Um, we get Steber saying that he, oh, he was sick of doing paperwork, he wanted to do this because he wanted to go back on the street. Carlos, meanwhile, comes up the stairs, and he, he walks in on the situation and kind of, you know, just this moment, the way Doc's kind of like, you know, like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Carlos is completely shocked. Um, Billy tries to jump at Doc. Doc shoots at Billy, starts yelling at everyone, takes Carlos hostage as well, and Holly's coming up the stairs, and she hears everything and runs out, and uh, she runs into the the police station and is, you know, help, help, Doc is shooting, Doc is shooting. There's um, tense music happening, going on. It's great. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Holly basically saying that she heard the shooting, uh, this is where I said, like, you know, people are questioning, like, where would he get a gun? And, you know, Holly's are like, you know, it's always hard to get a gun all of a sudden. I like the fact that Yokus is one of us. That line Holly really away. holds up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does. I, uh, you know, again, <clears throat> random character interaction. Yokus and Holly. When does this ever happen? Well, it happens here. Um, and then they're essentially trying to organize what they can do in this situation. So they've organized ESU to put tactical teams up on the roof. Uh, and Davis is kind of like saying like, hey, like slow down, like come on, you know, like this is, this is a guy we know. Davis has a bit of a snap at Cruz, which is kind of, I like that. Um, but yeah, like I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I loved that. I love that line from him because, you know, the, the, yeah, and your way of handling it, no one gets hurt, right? Because, I mean, let's be real here. Let's be real here. We know Cruz. We know she would want to go in there guns blazing, basically. Yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah, so nice little line there from Davis. 
Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I guess kind of this whole situation, like, the way they're setting this up, because, you know, you've got to, I think, think of these consequences, don't you, is the fact that we've got our beloved doc in this situation, but then you've got our cops on the other side of the street who have to handle this situation. So this is what I think kind of adds a lot to this tension this episode, clearly, is the response. How are they going to handle this? And realistically, this is how they would handle it. You know, you've got an active shooter, you've got a hostage situation, you've got to put snipers on the roof, aren't you? Yeah. Yep, and sadly, you kind of... And we're not even we're not even cops, but, I mean, even we can say, you know, sadly, in a way, you kind of have to set aside, not completely, but you have to set the fact that you that this is someone you know and someone you've worked with aside at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, we've got Monroe eventually telling Swirsky about her gun, uh, being honest to that. Um, Carlos to Doc. Like, I just, I love the Carlos and Doc stuff in this episode because, like, yeah, me too. It's just we've talked about this. How kind of like this relationship between these two has always been sort of it's it's never been completely good. Uh, you know, in terms of how everything plays out, and just I just love the way it kind of comes to this point where you know, because like, let's think back to Carlos episode one, Carlos when Jerry gets shot. He's he's cowering in a corner, doesn't move. Even during, um, was it, uh, was it Superheroes? Which is the one when the ambulance gets shot up? Crime and Punishment? Crime and Punishment. Yeah, so when he's like, you know, shit scared in the ambulance and all that sort of stuff as well. Like, we've got this situation where, again, Carlos isn't exactly great under pressure, which is fair enough. Like, I wouldn't be great under pressure when somebody's shooting a gun. I'd be the one carrying the corner too. Um, but like, this is a point where he finally kind of like stands up in a way, isn't it? Because he's kind of just like, like, you, you real, you need real help. Um, and kind of, you know, Doc's just like, you know, you've got, I, you know, I'm helping you. And then he's saying like, I've got eight more minutes here to do this. And Carlos just stands up to himself. He's just kind of like, I'm not letting this guy die on the floor of my firehouse. He just walks up to Steeper and starts helping him because he's realizing like, Doc's not going to shoot me. Like, this is the realization here. And what, like, this is a point where, like, as I said, this is a kind of the third moment in this episode, which you could argue could go on the top five, but... I think the fact we've got two other much more shining moments, you know, we can't have the whole top five being from this episode. Um, no, sadly. Doc points a gun at Carlos's head, and Carlos is just essentially like, you want to shoot me, shoot me. Go um, right ahead. Carlos, uh, Doc, meanwhile, points a gun away and shoots, uh, and kind of points a gun back at his head, and Doc is just like, do not treat him. We see the snipers on the roof kind of getting into position as well. Uh, but just, like, just the tension, like we ever imagine that Doc is going to point a gun at Carlos's head? Like, holy crap. Or at anyone else in there for that matter. And I love, and I love Kim during all this. She's just like, please don't. Yeah. Yeah. This is, see, this is the Kim. This is the, this is the Kim that, you know, isn't screaming around sounding like a, you know, victimized person. Help me, help me. Like, this is the Kim that I expect to have kind of like, trying to remain calm even though she's absolutely losing it you know what i mean like this is the kim we saw when bobby died um so this is what i think kind of they should have done some sort of version of this a couple of weeks ago rather than a damsel in distress running through the street help me help me um well like i told you in that episode i think any of us would be running screaming for help if we had two crazy people chasing us pretending to be cops true true um, but even just the fight shot of, like, flight. 
of the snipers, like, coming on the roof, point, getting ready to point the guns. We've got Swirsky yelling at Munro for this. Uh, the uh, ESU guy basically saying, like, oh, who's your boyfriend? Um, and she keeps saying, like, she's not my boyfriend, he's not my boyfriend. Uh, Swirsky's like, you're not leaving this building. So this is the thing, like, with Swirsky, comparing him to, like, you know, uh, Steeper, is it like, yeah, okay, Swirsky's got to go off. Like, he's a boss. He's got to, like, have these moments. And Swirsky does have his moments where he goes off at people. But he always does it in a way that, like, he kind of comes full circle, if you know what I mean. Like, it's kind of like Lieutenant Johnson would go off at people. But, uh, you know, he's still 99% of the time nice. And he's just yep. got to do his job sometimes. So, yeah. Um, we're back with Doc, you know, gun at Carlos's head still. Carlos is helping Steeper, but he's not doing anything. Kim then decides to step in and help out because she also realizes, look, Doc's not going to do anything here. He points the gun at Kim. She just keeps, just ignores him. Uh, they all come in and start working in on him. Um, Doc just kind of breaks down here and is like, no, no, you're ruining it, you're ruining it, but he's not doing anything about it. We've got the sniper. Um, the gun is directly pointed at his head. Um, they're saying that they've got the shot. Swirsky says to take the shot. Sully runs in and is like, get down. Um, they take the shot, uh, miss him. And, uh, Doc runs upstairs and then, uh, the snipers are like, there's a uniform in the building. Um, Swirsky's like, I want a status update on all the uniforms, essentially. Uh, so, you know, great moment for Sully to kind of, like, mm-hmm. save Doc here. Cause, like, I think, I think what they do in this episode, they do the right thing. Like, I don't think they should have killed right. Doc in this episode. Like, you, you kind of, you're having one shock enough. And the shock enough is that Doc has done this in the first place. You don't need him to die, you know, so. Um, right. Which again, though, like going back to the Jimmy episode a few weeks ago, kind of, we've got these two major characters leaving and both times they're kind of doing it in a way like, will they die, if you know what I mean? Not so much with the Doc episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the promotion they did, but like still kind of, it's implied at a few times at this point that he's going to get killed, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So, yes, Sully... Meanwhile, he's uh, checking out what's going on. It sort of says, like, wow, you know, Doc did that. And then they're kind of like, not the Doc we know. And Sully's like, look, you need to get him out of here now. Um, Le- uh, Swirsky goes outside. It's snowing, by the way. It looks quite nice the way it's snowing. Um, Swirsky going off at Davis. I do kind of like the way Davis is like, oh, I don't know how we got in there, sir. And Swirsky's just like, you know, don't lie to me, Davis. Um, and Davis is essentially saying, like, look, give him a few minutes. Um, you know, he needs a few minutes. He's going to get him out there. Um, we've got Steeper in the ambulance, um, he's talking about how he went to a bunch of funerals, I guess he's talking about 9-11, um, and then sort of he utters the words that I came out in the field to die, or did he, yeah, because cause Carlos is like, is that what he just said? Um, so Steeper passes out and kind of we hear him, you know, starting to code and it's kind of like, <gasps> you know, shock, is he going to die? Because I guess kind of at this point, I think what adds to the tension is the fact that, you know, Kim and Carlos and that want to save him because they don't want Doc to be a murderer, right? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's again, multi layers of tension in this episode, the way they kind of, uh, the way they kind of do it. Um, so it's great. Uh, then we've got, uh, this great, oh, this great final scene here with Doc oh and my God. Sully, like top five, hundred percent. This could be the number one at, moment of the season. Oh, I was going to, I was going to say, if this is anything less than number one or number two, you and I are going to have words. <laughs> well, I mean, in all seriousness, 
you know, even the two moments we're saying from this episode could clearly be the top two moments. Um, you know, like it's, I think it's, it's just such a powerful speech. And like, do we have a more powerful speech in this show than this scene? Do you reckon? I don't think so. And I, I really, really don't. And uh, about the, and about the speech, because, I mean, we are to it now, right? Where yeah. we can really well, start getting into it. Do you want me to quickly go over it first before you say what, like what you're about to say? E- um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so keep your thought there, Darvell. Don't lose that thought, all right, my friend. Like, okay. You've got okay. to remember, I, to I have faith in you. Um, okay. As- essentially what happens here is that uh, Sully comes upstairs uh, to talk to Doc and sort of Sully. Uh, Doc's like, you know, I've got a gun, Sully. I've got a gun. Um and Sully's kind of like, you know, I don't think you're going to shoot me. And, uh, you know, Doc just has his great speech where he's just essentially saying, like, I don't want to talk anymore. I'm tired. I never used to get tired. I used to be able to work doubles and triples. Um, you know, uh, it's a way down tired, he's sort of saying to Sully. And then kind of he says to Sully, like, you know, what would you do if I would, if I shot you? And Sully's kind of like, look, I don't think you're going to do that. Uh, he wants to sleep. His brain sore. Uh, you know, Sully kind of mentions that we'll take care of you. And this is sort of angry, angers Doc. He kind of gets up and he's like, you know, I take care of people. Like, no one takes care of me. Um, and, you know, Sully has that great reply when he's kind of like, you took care of me, like in the cabin, you know, when I needed help. You know, you just need some rest. And just everything here that Doc kind of goes over, kind of like, this is what our whole point is with, you know, this whole episode leading up to it, is Doc's, like, downfall, because he mentions a whole bunch here, doesn't he? Like, he mentions the the kid that kind of was paralysed, although, I will say, like, he didn't end up being paralysed, but kind of like, Doc's obviously still recalling that he was paralysed. Um, mm-hmm. Then he mentions about Taylor being his fault, and then kind of it all borders out, and like, this is, this is the thing as a viewer, that I remember watching this day, uh, this episode, that I think kind of, you're Sully in this moment, because even the way he's just kind of saying, like, oh, that kid that was paralysed, Taylor. Oh, and do you remember that day? And then kind of, like, Sally's like, yeah, I remember that day when Taylor died. And he's like, no, not that day, the day. And, like, you've kind of, I think the viewer kind of takes a step back to think, like, wait, like, is he thinking what talking day? About? Like, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you kind of straight away think 9-11, but you kind of think, like, no. And then just the way he sells is, like, holy crap. Oh like, God. you know, just... Just wow, and he's kind of like selling, talking up about how they were ready for it. You know, they were waiting for people to come that nobody came. That you know, he remembered that not all of them could be dead. All they did was pick body parts from the rubble. That's not what he's here from. And then, kind of, it all leads back to the fact that he says, you know, if this house is gone, then there's no one going to be able to help. And then he's just basically starts crying, and he's just like, you know, you understand, Sully. Uh, and then Sully realises that this is the point, like, I've got him, like, I don't need to have the gun anymore, and he's like, I understand, nobody's going to die today. Um, he basically is like, we're going to get you some help, and I'll be there with you every step of the way, it's okay, buddy. Just just the music, just yeah. everything about this, like, Michael Beach just owns it again, let's put it out there, where the hell was his Emmy nomination? We've had three of these now in the space of, you know, a season with... Uh, Skip Suttoth with Jason Wiles and now with Michael Beach. Like, Jesus Christ, Emmy voters, yeah. viewers, you were idiots in 2004. Just what can, more can you say? Like, this is just incredible. It really, it really is. And, um, the, okay, I have, I have a few things to say. First was the thought that I had and still have. The part, the part of that speech, the part of that little scene that always gets me apart from, 
his speech at the end, you know, where he just lets it all out. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it makes me want to hug the guy. And it does. Um, is where, you know, he says, what would, it, it's just the way he says, you know, what would I, what would you do if I shot at you right now? Mm-hmm. And Sully's like, you won't. Would you shoot me? Just the way he says it, would you shoot me? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like he's pleading almost, I think. Yeah. Like, like please shoot me so i can so i can rest i i cannot do this anymore that's the one that's one thought that i had and i also ben you might recall this i also want to go back to something that i said to you off air before i even came on the podcast do you remember after <laughs> you about, break- about to interrupt you i i what? barely remember what you just said 30 seconds ago but sure try my try my memory okay <laughs> <laughs> okay okay um well okay well yeah. Okay. Something I said to you before I even joined the podcast. It was after you and Brandy recorded the Ohio episode. Mm-hmm. There's a line from Doc where, you know, Carlos is asking them, you know, what's the worst call you ever got? And, and he's like, you know, sh- sure, nothing stays with us. And uh, you're saying nothing stays with us. And Doc's like, well, sure, it stays with us, but that doesn't mean you go around talking about it to pass the time. You just put it inside and move on. You might, and and then I remember mentioning that to you, and then telling you that every time I watched that episode or that little scene, I always think to myself, "Yeah, and look where that got you, Doc." Hmm. I actually vaguely do remember you telling me that. Actually, funnily enough. Yep, and that's that's what I'm. That's what I was alluding to. Is this right here? You know, because Doc kind of kept it all inside that is ex- that is a large part of the reason why we're here now with him mm-hmm. yeah it's and i think kind of we alluded to it slightly uh during our third watch episode uh 9-11 episodes of third watch that kind of like this is going to stick with him um and this is again the beauty of this whole scene here from Michael Beach and just everything because this is a thing that emergency service workers had and still have. I shouldn't say had in a past tense, have with them who worked that day. Um, You know, this fucked up a lot of people and, you know... It really did. I think they've even... I'm not sure if I'm correct in saying this. I feel like I'm not actually now that I'm thinking about it. But, like... In real, in relation to emergency service workers who have taken their own lives post nine eleven, like, and that they've been able to link the direct cause of it to the reason why they took their own lives, I, I'm not sure if they've added them to the death. I don't think they have. I think that's wrong. I think I don't know why I was thinking that, but still, it's kind of, it's something that just really, you will not know the effects this has on these types, on these people who worked on it unless you were one of them. Like, we can sit here and Monday morning quarterback this, but, like, there's just no way. And somehow, though, Michael Beach, he encompasses a large portion of what these people feel. And, you know, again, this is a case of we ever got him back on the show. Like, how does... Like, this is kind of one of your questions that you say, like, how does an actor be able to do that? And you've got to wonder, like, did Michael Beach talk a lot with people on that day because we, we we know through a lot of people that a lot of people who worked on the show were there for 9-11 third watch was involved during 9-11 to help them out so yes. um yeah i guess my point is it's just kind of like he just does such a great job 
in making you believe that he worked there. Like, if you're watching this episode, in no way do you ever think this is an actor pretending to be someone. This this is Doc. This is a this is a human being to me that is not a fake character. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And oh man, I just lost my thought. Oh yeah, and I mean, maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong about what you were saying about the links between post nine eleven suicides after nine eleven and the reason why they happen and everything. But I mean, let's sadly, I mean, let's be real here. I wouldn't be surprised if at least one person who responded on that day did eventually do that. Oh, because I mean that had multiple. to be absolutely horrible. Yeah, horrible, horrible to witness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, look, you know, you and I, and anyone—not just you and I—it's it's not unique to you and I. But I mean, I was on the other side of the world watching this on a television, and it as a fourteen-year-old, and it had an effect on me. Uh, you are an American who were in America when this was happening. I know you've shared your experiences of what happened on that day and how it, you know all came about to you, it affected you. Um, it yep. affected anyone, I think, who was there to witness it. Um, being on television, being there in person, you know, no matter what nationality you are, where you are in the world when this happens. So the fact that Doc is able to just, like, it's just, it's incredible. It's like, if if people talk down on actors and think they've got an easy life or, like, it's not that hard, like, this is one of those scenes where it's like, just show them this, like, what human being who is not an actor who thinks it's an easy profession can just break down like that and do that. And like, this is why I have respect for actors because I mean, there's a difference between being a a true actor and being able to own a scene like this. And then, you know, being hired purely for your good looks and not being able to act like those people. I don't necessarily have respect with because fuck you for being good looking. Um, it's it's a curse that I hold too, but I decide not to just go into acting and, do real work like podcasting um (laughs) yeah just just incredible just absolutely incredible i can't talk enough um but i should say the episode hasn't ended quite yet sully walks out with doc in handcuffs um sort of you know making sure he says everybody like he's you know he's unarmed i've got him in custody kind of we've got two versions of this in like three weeks don't we because we kind of get a similar scene in about two weeks uh, with Bosco, but um, mm-hmm. I do like the way Sally, uh, Doc's kind of like, oh, can you put my tie on? Uh, kind of walks out. And then just the subtle little moment, the way Doc kind of walks out, and kind of everyone's just got that look on their face, like, oh my God, Doc, like, why? And then the way he just kind of turns to Swirsky and's kind of like, sleeper okay? And he's kind of like, yep. And he's like, oh, you know, yep, you know, Kim and Carlos, they're good medics. Um, yeah. And then and- the, the way he ends it, the way he says like, I was good too, Sully. And Sully's like, the best ever. And then just that line he says at the end, I'm going to miss it. And then that's the end of the episode. Like, oh. Yeah. And, it's the feels. It, it really does. And, you know, part of me thinks that, part of me thinks that they, that, that Swirsky, even though this would have been super, super cliche and probably in hindsight, it's not needed. But every time I, every time I watch that little scene and, you know, he says, Kim and Carlos, they're good medics. Um, I always, part of me, again, like I said, it's super cliche and it's not really needed in hindsight, but part of me still wishes that maybe Swirsky had said something back like, and it's because you taught them. I can see that. Or something like that, you know, you know, they're good medics because of you, Doc. 
Yeah. And I don't I don't necessarily think that's too cliche. Like I think that would have worked, but I think kind of a, a lot of what sells this scene though is just the silence and just the look on people's faces as if to say like like why doc like what the hell? Cuz I don't think like let's try and just ask the question if this was Carlos who did this not going to be the same reaction. Like, I'm not saying we expect Carlos to go on a shooting rampage. We don't. But, like, it's kind of like when Carlos got accused of sexual assault. It's kind of, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, you know, that's not that big of a shock. Um, So, like, the fact that this is Doc that this does is what really kind of, like, makes this as emotional and everything as it does. Um, Just want to take a quick moment here to kind of, I guess, eulogise Doc and eulogise Jimmy as well, because we did in a couple of episodes, and we'd only do it this quickly, because obviously we know they're not dying, and technically they're both going to come back. I mean, Doc has more of a prominent role in the finale than um, than Jimmy does, just to spoil it right. for people. Uh, I mean, Doc actually talks in the finale. Um, yes, and, and it's a great scene. Oh, too. it's a fantastic scene. Like, if you, if you think the Carlos-Doc stuff is good, like... It makes me so happy, the fact that they, you know, do a closing sort of thing to tie up Doc and Carlos. You know, don't get me started on the fact they don't do anything to do it with Bosco and Yokus, but they do it with... uh Anyway, that's another issue. Just quickly, I mean, look, Doc, what can we really say about the guy? I mean, the, the guy was the emotional heart of this show for pretty much all of it. You know, we know kind of that it got to the point where Michael Beach was getting sick of playing this type of character. He wanted out, and then they kind of rode him out in a blaze of glory. But... um yeah, I mean, such a great character to have. He really such a downfall of him, which really gave Michael Beach some great stuff to work with. But I'll just quickly say, like, you know, he's never been my top sort of three, four favourite characters. But, I mean, you know, you've got to say he's definitely one of the main ones that you will always remember clearly because he's sort of been in it from the beginning. And I, on a personal note, the first one that I ever got to interview, um, and I still to this day remember... Um, the day before I interviewed Michael Beach, he wanted to uh, have a bit of a chat with me over Skype first, like before the interview, so we could just have like a chat off air. So he's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like add me to Skype and we can just have a bit of a chat, you know, before we do the interview tomorrow. So uh, he adds me and then kind of like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, let's call. So he rings me on Skype thinking that it's just going to be audio, comes up as video, and I'm literally sitting like dead set on this camera staring at the screen. And I'm basically like just dumbfounded. And I'm like, I didn't say it. but I'm like, oh, my God, it's Doc. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> Doc's in front of me. Like, that's Doc. Um, and it's rare for me to get starstruck. So, um Great what character. was his reaction? Uh, he, he just kind of, like, I just played it cool. I was like, oh, hey, Michael, how's it going? Thanks for chatting with me. Um, and I, I think we maybe chat for about, like, five, ten minutes, just kind of, like, going over a few things, and the interview went for about an hour, I think, from memory. So, yeah. Uh, and, and I will say, just uh, at the time of recording this, um, he replied to a tweet of mine a couple of days ago. So, yeah, you know, still kind of actively engages with the fans, even though kind of he's gone on to a few bigger and better things post-Third Watch. So even though he kind of was, like, he's he's always just remained, I feel, that type of actor who is there. Like, he's never A-list, but he's still people know him. Like, people know him for stuff outside of Third Watch. I think he was in the show The 100, which I believe it's got a very big fan base, which a lot of people, you know, I notice a lot on social media. He's talking and engaging with fans from that show. So, yeah. Michael Beach, Doc, character, great. Anything to sort of say before we have a bit of a say about Jimmy as well? Oh, yeah. I, and I think I've said this before. Yeah, I, he, he is probably one of my top, I don't know about top three, but definitely top five 
favorite third watch characters. Okay. Um, and he's, to be honest, you know, if I, if I ever expressed any desire to be a, to be a paramedic, he, he or someone like him is who I would want training me, you know, cause he was just, he was just that, just that believable, you know, just that knowledgeable the character was. And, you know, you could argue that in addition to 9-11 and all that, what really contributes to his downfall is the split. Well, of course, I mean, we know Doc was never the same after Deborah, his first wife, died. Deborah, um, but the split, Deborah, yeah, Deborah, Linda. Deborah, <laughs> Deborah, get the name right, fucking third watch. But anyway... Um, you could argue that the split with Morales was one of, from in season two was really what you know it also contributed a lot to to where we are with him now. And I wonder, and I know I think I said this before too when we were discussing that episode, the episode where him and Morales split. If him and Morales had remained together, do you think it still would have played out like this? No, uh, I don't. And yeah, because I think he's then got an anchor, you know what I mean? And I think, I think like if I think back to when we first started talking about this, like I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I, I think the real first one, at least that we saw on this show, that was the first kind of chink. I mean, probably you would argue Jerry leaving would be the ultimate first one, but to me it's his dad dying. That is the first one that kind of sets him off. That really? Well, I think I remember talking about that when it happened, saying like, "Look, this is the first of many bad things that are going to slowly set Doc off on a path that's going to, you know, because like you think about it, with his dad dying, that's kind of like, and I, I know he's with Morales at the time, but that was it. That was the last person, like family member, to him that was connected, and like at that time, him and Morales had kind of only just started. So, you know, I think kind of at that point, without Morales, he's still got no one. Uh, and then like, but again, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think Morales leaving is the ultimate factor in kind of the real first one. But just if you look at a few minor things along the way, I think his dad dying has a, has a, a step in stone in there. And even Jerry leaving, yeah. not necessarily getting shot, but Jerry leaving. Cause you know, you think about it, before the show started, he's got Jerry he's still there as his sort of like best friend every day. You know, he's still got his dad. So he's still kind of at least got a little bit there. Um, but yeah, but I, I don't disagree yeah. with you. I, th- I think you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and the episode where his dad died—that is in—that is indeed a a really that that is that is such a sad moment. I don't think, if I recall, I don't think we actually I don't think we actually see him. I don't think we actually see him die. Though what we see is, I think the last scene is just of him of Doc in the hospital at his dad's bedside. You see, like, a smile from him, and then it's kind of implied that he dies. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's a great episode and great moment. But, yeah, that's that's it Doc. Um, again, you will see him in the finale. Just quickly, though, backtracking from a couple of episodes ago, because we didn't do this with Jimmy. Um, as I said in the time in the episode, like, look, I, I grew a, a, an appreciation for Jimmy um, a lot more with this rewatch uh, than I ever have. I, I feel that, again, I always was just like, yeah, Jimmy, Firefighter episodes, get over it. Like, it's not why I'm watching this show. But, 
props to Eddie Cibrian. I think kind of like when you appreciate, when you, you know, analyze what he's doing and everything, I think it's great. Kind of as I said before, I think that, you know, he's a great actor. Uh, and for somebody who essentially was hired for this show from his looks, kind of going back to what I was saying before about like, I don't respect actors who are hired because of their looks and can't act. Uh, he can act. And it's not like this, it's not like he was not an actor before this show. He was, he was an actor before this show. Um, but I think kind of it's a unique thing that they were never planning on having firefighters in this show, you know, that he he tried for the role of Bosco, failed, and that you had so many women in the casting room kind of turning their heads as he walked past and just being like, who's that? Who's that? Like, wow, damn. So, yeah, and again, grew, appreci- grew appreciation for him. I think kind of the only thing I'll say with Jimmy is that it's sad that he was wasted a lot of the time. Like, we just did not see him in season four. Uh, he had like one episode, uh, and then kind of he had a few moments here and there. I think he just, the chemistry he has with Kim was just absolutely incredible. Again, as I've said before, I wish these two were a real couple in real life. Um, and just the development of him as a character. Like we talk about Doc, his downfall. It's the opposite with Jimmy, isn't it? Like it's kind of, he starts as like this real sort of womanizer sleaze bag who just has a gambling problem and can't get his shit together. Uh, but then here he is, uh, you know, all these seasons later and he's able to, uh, you know, basically get to a point where he's getting promotions, um, and he's, you know, wanting to get married again and he's got everything together. So yeah, great development, kind of the opposite of uh, Doc, but, uh, yeah, Jimmy, sadly they, they didn't use him as much as they possibly could, but yeah, I've grown an appreciation of him and I, I appreciate the fact that he's in this show and the firefighter storyline, never the same after Jimmy leaves. No, really not. And yeah, the, yeah, when you mentioned the gambling, the gambling problem he had at, he had at the beginning of the series, I was thinking of the, the scene where, where the, uh, where the loan sharks pull him over with Joey in the car. I mean, he goes and that had to be Honestly, that that scene is kind of terrifying to watch, and it is. But um, but you know, he went. He goes from he goes from the bookie saying to him, you know, get the kid out. What? We'll take the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll take the car. And um, he and he's like, <laughs> I always have to do impressions, don't I? <laughs> yeah, it's um, and he, and he, what? The car's worth car's worth twenty grand easy. What are you looking for change? <laughs> yeah, we go from that to this. Yeah, I, I I do love the I do love the way he matures as well throughout the show. Like you said, question though, do you think he could have played Bosco? Do you think he could have sold that no. role? Had he no. had he had he uh, won it? Like, as much as I've just talked him up as being a great actor, I don't think he's as good as actor as Jason Wiles. I I, I don't see anyone playing Bosco but Jason Wiles. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but like Jimmy can't like. I don't think Eddie Cibrian has that range to play the Bosco character because no, I I just don't. I think I don't think he could have had that character. Okay, because I I have wondered that you know because they were you know because of course we know he was considered for the role of Bosco, so I have kind of had that in the back of my head. You know, could he have played him as well as Jason Wiles did? Well, it's kind of like I think it's famously known on Friends that. Um, that's obviously not that famous, you know, if I'm struggling. I think Courtney Cox went for the role of Rachel, or did Jennifer Aniston go for the role of Monica? It's one of them. Maybe they both went for know. each other's roles. But you can't imagine either of them being the other person. <laughs> like, um, 
it, I mean, it's just one of these wacky universe things that kind of it's easy to think like, ooh, how would it have been? But I think there's very few roles in movie and TV that are so iconic that you can prob- probably imagine as someone else. Like, the amount of times, you know, actors have come so close to playing James Bond. Like, we've talked a lot about that on 007 and kind of... There are maybe a few that you could be like, yeah, they would have been a really good James Bond, but... At the same time, like, each actor who has played James Bond has their own take on the character. And I think kind of, like, I mean, look, it would have been a completely different world, different character. But I just don't see Eddie Cibrian as Bosco. I just don't. So. Yeah. And going off of that, you know, one of my favorite movies, um, to kind of illustrate the point you're making, you know, no other, you don't think any other actor could have played a particular role. Um, Have you ever seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, as we know, Morgan Freeman is who plays Red. Now, before Morgan Freeman was cast, um, the guy who created it, I forgot his name, but the guy who created, the guy who made the movie, he wanted to cast, you know, I think, I think he thought about Harrison Ford. I think he thought about Paul Newman and mm-hmm. a few others. But let's be real here. I don't, but uh, he chose Morgan Freeman because of Morgan Fr- because of his you know I think he said it was his uh, his commanding or authoritative or whatever presence and we know Morgan Freeman has that presence and that voice yeah so, absolutely yeah, yeah I don't so kind of capitalizing on that no one else could have played that role I don't think uh, yeah and again there's there's a myriad of people who you have this sort of thing uh, and again I think there's only a, a very few occasions where you might be able to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I could see a person playing that role. So, um, but, yeah, I, I don't ever see Eddie Sibren as Bosco. But, uh, yeah, I mean, anything else to add on Jimmy before we kind of... I would have liked to have... This wouldn't have worked, given the nature of the show, but I would have liked to have seen him operate out of that other firehouse in bed yeah. But then they would have had to hire a whole new cast of firefighters. Well, look, I, I guess what they could have done is if, say, this show went for a seventh season, for example, they could have easily done, like, some sort of episode where, like, you know, they had a firefighter who needed a bit of help or something like that who maybe was sort of like a Jimmy at some point and, you know, hypothetically, Kim is still in it or Walsh or DK and maybe they just kind of have it as, like, you know, oh, I know a person who can help you, you know, calm down a little bit and they send him out there, if you know what I mean, and kind of just have one of these moments where they have him back or, like, even if you've got Kim, like, ER famously when Carol left, like a season after Doug, George Clooney's character left, um, you know, Carol left to go be with the george clooney character and they kept it like secret that george clooney was going to have a cameo so kind of like the final scene is of uh carol getting off i think like a a boat or a car or something like that and walking down to the river and there's george clooney like i think george clooney says one line and then they kiss and that was like a huge secret like that he was going to have this you know brief cameo so you could always have like when kim leaves like there's jimmy like there, just kind of like picking her up or something like that so yeah Yeah. like i think it could have been done somehow but at the end of the day like <laughs> they've gone oh great firefighters gone we don't focus on them anymore next <laughs> so yeah yeah anyway uh so that's we've we've recapped jimmy just as i said because uh we didn't necessarily get a chance to eulogize him a few few weeks back so uh there you go and that's doc as well so uh we won't have another character leaving until the first episode of season six if i'm not mistaken 
Right. Yeah. So um, we'll get to that when we get to that. But next week, uh, oh, actually, we haven't, we haven't rated this episode. Well, clearly we're going to buy this. Do I even need to ask a question? <laughs> no, you don't. Because, yeah, I am definitely, definitely, definitely buying this episode. And I'm guessing you would have this at your number one if you were ranking these as well? Yeah, I probably would. Well, I have this at uh, nine. So I've snuck it in my top ten. I've got it just above uh, Run of the Mill from season two and just below Judgment Day part one from season four. So, um, yeah, who would have thunk it, Darvell, that I would have two season five episodes in my top ten? Um, I've got three season four episodes from a season that kind of is so bipolar. Three season two uh, I've got one season three and one season one. So, uh, crazy that only one season one episode makes the top ten. So, yeah, I, I, I said this, I think, after a call for help, but I probably kind of mean this a little bit more now. I really do not foresee any more episodes going into the top ten from this point on. Um, but stranger things have happened. So, who knows? That's true. Um... But anyway, so that is that. Next week, Family Ties Part 1. Well, next week we'll have both the Family Ties episodes for you, of course, because we always air double parters on the same day. Uh, look, I honestly went into watching these episodes thinking I didn't like these episodes, but I kind of came out of them thinking, like, hey, these are actually pretty good episodes. So I think it's a shift. The moment Doc leaves, I think kind of we really start to get a new storyline base, because it's kind of like from now on, this storyline that we're going to get sort of does lead us into what's going to happen right through to the finale. So we kind of do have this, you know, third third of the season or this final quarter of the season being focused on, we're back to drugs, but kind of more like party drugs, I suppose. Uh, but we've got yeah. Bosco's brother back into it. Um, we've got a bit more anti-crime stuff. We've got uh, Cruz... Uh, a bit more into it. We've also got uh, Fred getting angry at Yokus. Meh. We've got a new Charlie. Can I point that out? Even though he's in it for like a second. Um, and we got Jelly. I forgot that Jelly comes into it so early. But yeah, Jelly Grimaldi. I like Jelly. So we get his first appearance. Yeah, and concerning Jelly, I've always been... I mean, yeah, he, he has his moments, but I've always thought I've always thought he comes off as a bit of a dick. Excuse me. I mean, he is, but like at the same time, he's a lovable dick. Uh, (laughs) I I like Jelly. Jelly's fun. Yep. Yep. And we get, well, at least for a few episodes, we get. Oh gosh, what's 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 her name? Laura Wynn. I forgot. I forgot who played her, but oh, the um the the narcotics lady. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. She she's like. I always think they try to make her out to be a bigger deal than she is. Like, if that makes sense. Like, I like, I remember her. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. But kind of like the way they kind of portray her character and then what happens to her, I kind of feel like we're meant to care about her more. But I guess I don't. <laughs> I don't and know. The, and, I'm, and sadly, you know, the actress who played her, I forgot her name, but sadly I don't think she's, I don't think she's with us oh, really? anymore. No, did not know that. There you go. She's only young, so yeah, that's sad. Um, but that's Family Ties, part one and part two. That'll be coming your way uh, next week. So in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe. We've had a long episode here, but uh, as always, we knew we were going to talk about this one because it's a great episode, and we uh, appreciate you joining us for this, and we hope that uh, you have uh, enjoyed our coverage of this, and if you have any thoughts on this episode, please, by all means, let us know. Uh, my name is Ben, and... 
I was good too, Darvell. My name's Darvell, and best ever. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.